AM 570 KLAC, 987 KYSR HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. In LA sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Peterson. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Rodney Peterson. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, let's go to Monday. Fred let's Rogan, go. Rodney Pete on AM570, LA Sports. All right, Rodney, so here we go tonight at the stadium, Dodgers and Giants. Uh, Dodgers come up short yesterday, and that was ugly. Ugh. Ugly in Colorado. Ugh. They should have won. Still you know, play any, they, play, they shouldn't play any more extra inning games. Oh, what are they, one and nine in extra yeah, inning games something like that. Year? They're terrible. They're yeah. terrible in extra inning games. Yeah, and they had that one, too. I mean, they, they were behind. They fought back. They had the lead. They were behind. They came back, and then they just ran out of gas. Uh, not the way you want to wrap up the road trip, but still, they looked okay after the All-Star break, and now they're back home against the Giants, the first-place Giants. How important is this series, or is it important at all? I think it's very important. You know, we talked about this all year long, and especially starting off the season in April and May and early June of, you know, it's it's April. It's May. Um, and, and we've had a number of people on, our, our good friends, and David Basse will join us, but we've had, you know, Ned on, we've had Jerry Hairston on, all the people close to the Dodgers. You know, and, and a lot of people are surprised. They were, first of all, surprised about the Giants the way they started. But I think even more people are surprised that here we are in – mid-late July after All-Star break, and the Giants are still there. Uh, I think a lot of people felt that they would fall off, but it looks like they're going to be there to the end, Fred. So, yes, this this is a very important series for two reasons. Obviously, it's, it's they're neck and neck, and the Giants are leading, and the Dodgers are right on pace with them, and if they come out ahead on this series, they, they take the lead in the West. But the time of year that it is, it's July, and it's getting to where games do count a lot more than they did back in back in april so it, it, it's really important i think this series um because after this they they play them a lot and then they go back to to they go up to san francisco i believe next week so it's an important series absolutely division series so games basically count two um dodgers two games behind the giants in the loss column mookie's out lux is out kershaw will be out a little longer than anticipated think about this the Dodgers have 58 wins. The Giants have 58 wins. The Dodgers are two behind in the loss column. The Dodgers have been savaged by injuries all year long. And this doesn't make it any better, given what I just said. They basically they do have the same number of wins, and they're only two games behind in the loss column. And we haven't even seen the entire Dodger roster since maybe the first week of the season. It's pretty remarkable the Dodgers are where they're at. Yeah, I think it's just a, a testament to how good this organization is is that they've built it in a way that they can plug guys in not just plug guys in but plug quality guys in uh and and fill that role look chris taylor is an all-star this year and he's a guy that positions and pretty much fills in for guys that when they need a break or guys that are not playing or guys that are injured so he ends up playing as much as a starter he really does but they they have they have depth but at the end of the day you want you want the full strength of your team as you go down the stretch, Fred, because you can't win a world title. I mean, this is great that they're hanging tough, and it is 
great for Dave Roberts and the staff and, and, and all the Dodgers that they've not, you know, kind of let it get away from them where you see a lot of teams around the league when they get injured or they get key guys that are out for an extended period of time, they let the season get away from them. The Dodgers have not done that. So, but, but at the end of the day, I don't think anyone believes within, even within the Dodger camp that they can go on and win a world title without being at full strength. So it's a, it's important for them to stay pace, but it's also important for them to get guys back healthy. And we should uh, be seeing Corey Seager this week, supposed to be activated. David Vassay will join us here at about 1225, and uh, we'll get more into it. Other story over the weekend, and I, I don't even know what I thought, because when it was first released, you thought, oh, my God. The first thing you heard was there's a shooting at the Washington Nationals game. Now, when you really looked into it, you realize that the shooting took place outside the stadium. But when you hear gunshots and you're not sure where, you, where they're coming from, you don't know what to think. That had to be the most terrifying experience. Rob Parker was actually at the game. You spoke to him. I communicated with him. Uh, he's going to come on during the 1 o'clock hour and talk about it. I know that Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado sprinted down to the left field stands, grabbed family members, and rushed them back to the dugout to try and protect them. I can't, Rodney, as an athlete, if you're out on the field and all of a sudden you hear gunshots, I can't even imagine what that would be like. No, it's it's tough because that's immediately where you your focus goes on, where's my family? Where's my family? Because they're in the stands. And the, the, the scary part about being in a venue when that happens, and unfortunately, you know, we see it all too often in this country of mass shootings and and people at venues, I mean, we remember the Vegas situation that was tragic, but that's the, kind of the worst scenario because, and again, Rob's going to come on and describe it, but it's the worst scenario because, first of all, you hear it, and then you don't know where it's coming from. And then, as you, you know, as a player and an athlete on the field, yeah, you're thinking about your family members. How do I get to them? How do I get them to safety? And then you got people running every direction. So you don't know if I should run, should I stay here, should I go this way, that way. You don't know what is happening. And the only thing I think will pass through your mind is this This is not going to end, and I got to get to cover because this could be, I mean, I guess the worst fears into your mind is somebody's got an assault weapon and is just going to fire through the crowd. I mean, that, would, that was kind of my thought process to begin with when I first heard it. It's like, oh, somebody's coming in and just going to, just go just go off on on with an assault weapon and kill as many people as he possibly can, and uh, that's that's a scary, helpless feeling. Especially, you know, because you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about okay, if I have family members there, I gotta I gotta find where they are, and you put yourself in harm's way trying to make that happen. So it's it must have been terrifying for those moments that everybody was going through and rushing and running and going crazy. Yeah, Rob is going to be on during the one o'clock hour, and he'll tell us exactly what it was like because he lived it. He lived that nightmare. Uh, oh, one other Dodger note. Dodgers released today that given the new mask mandate in Los Angeles County. Yeah, folks, we're back. We're back. It's mask Don't time again it, indoors. Don't you do it, Fred. Uh, to, to me, it's so incredibly frustrating. I mean, I, I wore the mask the first go-round. No question about it, because that's what we were supposed to do. And just when you think you're climbing out of this hole, now you put your mask back on. Anyway, here's the deal with masks at Dodger Stadium. If you are in a covered concourse area, they want you to wear a mask. If you are 
not in a covered concourse area, you don't have to wear a mask. So what does that mean? It means if you go to the concession stand, you should wear a mask. Go to the bathroom, you should wear a mask. Theoretically, if you're in a suite, you should wear a mask. If you're sitting in your seat, you don't have to wear the mask. And the same rule applies. If you're vaccinated, they're saying you don't really have to wear a mask, period. If you're not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. Here's my question. Wait, if you're vaccinated, even in closed areas? No, in closed areas, you have to. You, you have, have to, yeah. You yeah, put it in your yeah. pocket, and then when you walk in, you know, if you go to right. the bathroom or something. Here's right. my question, and I, I don't know the answer to this. I try not to ask questions I don't have the answer to, but I really don't have the answer to this one. How many people do you think lie and say they were vaccinated? Or not worry about it? A lot. Do you think? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Unless there's unless there's a, you know, like you have to do when you travel. Look, I we just as you know, I just got back and the 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 stipulations and all the documentation that I had we had to present in order to travel. We had to have our vaccine card. We had to have the test. We had to have not only just say we got the test, but they needed documentation that we were tested within 72 hours of our travel. And and you know this because you traveled as well. So you you know what the protocols were. So unless you're doing that as people enter stadiums, like show your vaccine card um, and you get a wristband or whatever you may get to show that you're to prove that you were vaccinated. Yeah, people will say, yeah, no, yeah, of course I am. Of course I am. Because that's... It's not something that I think still a number of people that don't believe it's serious, number one, or that they'll be effect, infected by it or affected by it. So, yeah, there will be a number of people that, that, that lie and, and, and go through the thing. But my thing on this is that given what we went through in 2020 and the whole pandemic and not being able to go anywhere, and then finally it gets open and you're allowed to go back into venues – you got to believe and, and the economy and what it does to to revenue for businesses. You got to believe that the officials that decided that we have to wear masks again exhausted everything they could not to not to have to go back to wearing masks. I mean, if you're a rational person, you got to believe that is the case. Nobody's doing this because they want to. Oh, let's just make them put masks on again. No, I think they they exhausted everything they could. And with what is happening now and the new variants and all those type of things. It's not 100%, so let's stop with that. It's not going to be just because you wear a mask. It's not going to stop at 100%, but it can you know, decline the numbers of, of people that may get infected. So just just do it. I know there will be a people that, that probably argue and pick it and be mad and be upset, but I don't think this was a decision that came easily for the officials that, that are making it. As for the masks and the virus, uh, you know, two – United States Olympic gymnasts have tested positive. They're alternates. That's a problem. Uh, one of the women on the three-on-three basketball team has tested positive. Coco Goff, the young tennis player, maybe the, the future face of American tennis, tested positive. She's out. And just thinking about the masks and what we have to do here and what you have to do at Dodger Stadium, I believe that this is the start of what's going to happen at those Olympic Games. 11,000 athletes from all over the world, all different places, are converging. With different regulations. Different regulations yeah. are now converging in a place where they're seeing an uptick in the number of COVID cases. Somebody that worked in the Olympic Village 
tested positive, out already. They haven't started yet. They start on Friday. I think there's a soccer match or a softball match Wednesday, but the opening ceremony is Friday. Yeah. I, I, I think that very much like the NBA playoffs will become a war of attrition. It's just who is still standing at the end and able to compete. Because I don't think these are the only people, Rodney, that will test positive. No. And if you're, you know, one of the athletes over there that's competing, like you, you've mentioned this several times, it's, you know, you got a variety of different stages of a career that an athlete's in. They're in their the first Olympics that they've ever been to, or they're, this is their last possible shot to win a gold medal or win a medal. Um, if you're an athlete, you're just probably hoping and praying that your event happens early in the Olympics because it just based on the way things go are going, the later and the more people are there, the longer people are there, the later your event is, the more of a chance that there will be more and more people that, that get the virus that are eliminated or have to quarantine and won't be able to compete. So you're probably hoping and praying, hey, I'm, I get mine over in the first week. I'm good. You for wanna, a couple days. <laughs> you want to be a gymnast and get the hell out. Yes. You want to be a swimmer. Right. You don't want to compete right. in track and field. Track and field, where it's the last, you know, the last three days, the last week of, of track and field, and you got, oh, I got to wait all this time and, and be isolated. How do I go practice and get ready and all those things? And I can, I'll be here trained, and all of a sudden I'm here for a week and a half, and then the, the day before something bad happens. Yeah. That will be something that we will certainly keep an eye on. Okay, and, and we mentioned this in the tease. Now, I said, don't wake a sleeping giant. And you started to laugh. You said, well, the 49ers have been to the Super Bowl uh, since the Rams have. They've both been there in the last few years. Jimmy Ward of the 49ers. Now, Jimmy Ward of the 49ers said, look, we understand they have Matthew Stafford. But uh, so what? Basically, what has this guy done? He was in Detroit. You saw the results of his work in Detroit. Why do you think that he's going to be the difference for them? Why do you think that he's going to put them over the top? He's Matthew Stafford. He's not Aaron Rodgers. You hear that as a quarterback on an opposing team. Somebody taking a shot at you, basically. He's taking a shot at Matthew Stafford and a shot at the Rams. What do you think? Uh, it's guy trying to get attention. And trying to get likes, I don't, I, I don't put, and Matthew Stafford's not putting any stock into what Jimmy Ward says. Guarantee he's not. Yeah, it, it lasts for a day. Oh, he, he said, oh, oh, really? Okay, but no, he's not going out on a Monday afternoon to train and work out and go. Where's Jimmy Ward's picture? Let me put it up so I can <laughs> get motivated because he said this about me. No, no, it's just you know, it's something that he said. It's you know, taking shots. It's it's similar to. The guy in New England, you know, that said that, oh, we're not going to give him a welcome. Brady, talking about Brady because they play the Patriots. Tampa Bay plays the Patriots this year. Oh, we're not going to give him a parade or we're not going to celebrate him when he comes back to town. He's just a guy that's coming in and we, we have to play. So Brady's not going to go, oh, I can't wait to get back to New England because oh, so-and-so said this about me that oh, I'm going to have to prove him wrong. No, you don't You do not do that. It's, it's for us and everybody else to talk about, but within the locker room, you're not – you're really not thinking, you know, about that. They know what they have to do, and 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 the Rams feel like, look, we are a quarterback away, a good, solid, difference-making quarterback away from being in multiple Super Bowls. That's the way they kind of look at it. And so we finally got our guy, and same thing with Matthew Stafford. He's like, a, just, if not only 
did I have did I not have the organization that the Rams are? I didn't have necessarily the defense that the Rams have and the coaching that the Rams have. And so this is a much more advantageous situation for me to get to the Super Bowl than I've had in my career. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. So, you know, it's all going to play out. But all this, you know, little jabs and all those things don't don't really matter a whole lot. Uh, When you played and you played on some teams, where every year you go and you go, yeah, all right. Fresh start, fresh season, we can win it. I'm sure there were times where, as the season progressed, you went, no, we got no shot here. We just got to play it out. That's what Matthew Stafford did in Detroit. You know, every year you go to camp, I got a shot. We got a shot. If we get the breaks, if things go our way, we got a shot. And then he quickly realizes we we really don't have much of a shot. Well, sometimes it's quicker than, than ever. They've been in the playoffs. They haven't won, but they they've been in the hunt. So it doesn't happen quickly, like, you know, for a, a number of different teams, like it's been for Cincinnati, like end of September, Cincinnati knows they're not going to the playoffs, <laughs> you know? So, but, but, but Detroit is kind of, you know, they've hung in there and they've been, you know, they've been in the hunt through midway, even three quarters through the season. So, yeah, but there are times when you're on a team, look, I've been on teams, especially when I first started in Detroit, we started off one and eight and you know, you're not going to playoffs then. And you're just, you're trying to, you're trying to get better. You're trying to learn. You're trying to finish strong because what you start thinking about is finish strong so we can take this momentum into next year. That's kind of your mindset starts to turn that way when you know you're out of the playoff picture. But you don't you don't go into the season um, or early in the season and when you lose first two games, go, oh, oh, this is it. We're not going anywhere. Let's just pack it in. Let's get the U-Haul trucks out of here, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> get my stuff ready to ship home. But if you're Matthew Stafford and you're in Detroit and, and you were up against what you were and he wasn't going to win a Super Bowl, acknowledged as, as a guy that can really throw the ball and a leader, but he wasn't going to win a Super Bowl. Mentally, what does that do to you being in a situation? Because now it's kind of like he's free. He's been released. He's, he's got a new life. What do you go through in that situation where you're sitting there year after year and you realize we're done and you're still playing the season out? What does that do to you? Well, you play because it's it, there's always that hope for for next year that you will add the pieces that you needed that that didn't work out for you the previous year, and you add those pieces, and all of a sudden now you are in the hunt. But like I said, they you know there were times where they were on the verge of winning the division. They had they made the playoffs a couple of times. I think they they played Dallas and had a controversial call in that game in the playoff game, which they didn't win, and Dallas ended up winning. So they've had opportunities to go to the playoffs and opportunities to win their division. So it hasn't been a nine-year stretch where they had no chance. They they were they were at some points they were in the hunt, but but certainly when you get an opportunity to move like he has, you do feel like you do feel like oh my god they turned the clocks back. I got I'm five years younger now because I went to an environment that we got a chance from day one to go win a Super Bowl. Because we have the talent and the coaches and the environment to go win a Super Bowl. Let's go. Your attitude changes. Let's go win one, Fred. All right, Dodger fans. Why don't you win four? David Vassay's on the show next. We get ready for the big series out at the stadium. And later this hour, play a little Know Your Squad. We'll give you a cue to call. Bringing you out.
LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to three. Rogan and Rodney. Have you ever met a girl that you tried to date? But a year to make love, she wanted you to wait. Let me tell you a story of my situation. Uh, yeah. I was talking to this girl from the U.S. nation. The way that I met her oh. was a tour that concert. Go for a minute. I just got Ready, my man, just passed away last week. Late great Bismarcky, so influential in a lot of lot of people's lives in the hip hop world, outside of the hip hop world. Um, to love him, listening to him in college, and when I first got out of college, and then. Had a chance to get to know him, Fred. And what a great guy. Yeah, what a great, great guy. Um, just very generous. He did some events for us. I mean, it's just just a generous guy. It's funny. We were on that. We were on the boat, and um, and all the people that were on the boat were at the a few years back at Magic and Cookies' big 60th uh, or or 30th wedding anniversary. Or 25th, excuse me, 25th wedding anniversary, and he he performed there and DJed the whole thing that whole week, and and we were just reminiscing about him. But he's just uh, was a great individual, great influencer, and uh, gonna be missed. Rest in peace, Biz Marquis. He was young, wasn't he? Yeah, relatively young. I think he was right around 50, somewhere around there, 50, wow. a little over 50. Wow. Okay. Uh, later this hour, we're going to play Know Your Squad. Squad today is the Lakers, so we'll give Come you a on. Twitter call and get you ready. Come on. Oh, last Friday, you pitched the perfect game. Yes, I did. You oh. tried to jinx it, too. What? Nah, I didn't. You know. nah, I yeah, you did. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you did. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, you did. <laughs> a little bit. Tried to build the drama. Yeah. But you still. You did the, you did the old, you know, normally, I don't want to I don't want to jinx you, Rodney, but you're pitching the perfect game. <laughs> With two more to go. Yeah. But you did it. And now we'll see uh, what a new week brings. That's coming up in a bit. The home of the Dodgers. With an inside look at the Dodgers. This is the Vassay Report with David Vassay. Brought to you by Navian Tankless Water Heaters. And here he comes, the new color analyst for the Dodgers, David Vassay. Dave, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) My man. Back in the booth. No, I'm done. Rick Monday is back on a Monday. So it was a fun six days. And thanks a lot to uh, Don Martin and Lon Rosen and Charlie for allowing me to keep Rick's seat warm. How much fun was it doing that? It was really fun. Honestly, uh, you listen to a game and that's kind of the soundtrack to what you're seeing. Uh, But when you're the guy that has to be part of the soundtrack, it's a lot more challenging and a lot more uh, tougher than what people uh, believe it to be. So I have a greater appreciation for what Rick and Charlie do on a daily basis. What was the most yeah, difficult Dave, part, I was going, Dave? Oh. No, I'm just wondering. Most difficult part, Dave? Uh, actually, it wasn't that difficult. The one Because if you're prepared, that's the biggest thing. The work that goes into it before a broadcast, uh, you don't – you that's the biggest challenge. If you're not prepared, it's going to be a lot tougher because you have no other, you have nothing to add. So you have to be prepared before the game and be able to be paying attention to the game. And Charlie actually taught me a lot of nuances about calling play by play, the beat of a baseball game, all that stuff uh, were different things that I now have a greater appreciation for. And now that I learned. Yeah. And Dave, I was going to say that baseball of all sports, it's got to be, 
probably the most difficult, especially as a, yeah. as, a as a color guy, because uh, I, I've done some football games and and I haven't done basketball, but it's the action is is just constant. Whereas in baseball, you got to have so many fillers and there's so many lulls and and moments where you got to fill time. And like you said, if your preparation is not there and you're not ready and have all the kind of backstories or anecdotes that you need to talk about, there's going to be dead air, and that's the last thing you want. And baseball's got to be the most challenging for that. Yeah, there's a balance for sure. The crowd, the crack of the bat, the sounds of the game are part of it. It's not just, for instance, in these last six games, it wasn't just me and Charlie. We're not the only two people. There's players, there's the background, there's the crowd noise. And he uh, made me aware to be more in tune with that as the six days progress. So it's not so much about filling time. It's just being part of the beat. It's like being part of a band. Everybody has their own individual instrument, but you have to sound good to Together, and that's what a baseball broadcast is all about. Okay, well, tonight the broadcast will be Dodgers and Giants as they begin the showdown out of the stadium. Uh, Dodgers, you know, just when you think they're getting healthy, they're not. Mookie, Gavin Lux, Kershaw's going to be out until August. What's the uh, MASH report for the Dodgers? Yeah, you're right. Hopefully Mookie will be back tomorrow. I know Dave Roberts had said the night that he uh, flared up that right hip irritation that he would be back today. But until I see his name in the starting lineup, I won't believe it, and I feel like maybe the Dodgers give it an extra day. Um, as far as Gavin Lux, same thing. It did not look good. As soon as he stepped out of that batter's box, he grabbed his uh, left hamstring, I believe it was, yeah. and uh, that was uh, it's not a good sign. And he's done an outstanding job playing good defense at shortstop. I know the hitting has gone downwards, but the defense has maintained, so you have to give him credit for that. The good news as far as the Dodger injury report goes is Corey Seager. He's going to be participating in a simulated game today at Dodger Stadium, and hopefully he'll be activated on this homestand. Yeah, that'll be perfect timing if he's able to be you know back in the in the in the lineup dave dave early you know we in april may we talked about the giants and how they got off to a great start but you know do they have lasting power can they can they you know withstand a whole season and and many people felt you know they would fall off and they wouldn't be there after the all-star break or when they started you know when teams started to make their push for the playoffs but here we are you know, July 19th, they're still there, and it looks like they're going to be there the rest of the way. If you were to go back in April or May, say, oh, you know, it's early on. The series, yeah, it's important because it's your rival, but it's not as important. But now they become extremely important these these next 10 days that they play the Giants in multiple times, right? Yeah, seven games against the Giants in the next week and a half, and they only see them one more time after this stretch of seven games in the next 10, 11 days. So, yeah, these games are worth two. I don't care what anybody says. That's a fact. It's not my opinion. These games are worth two in the standings. If the Dodgers win tonight, they'll be tied for first place. If they lose tonight, they'll be back two games in the NL West. So the good news for the Dodgers is they have been able to match up well against the Giants, but they're going into the first two games somewhat shorthanded in the starting pitching department. Tony Gonsolin is matched up against Kevin Gossman today. Tomorrow, it's a TBD but many are expecting Josiah Gray to be making his major league debut tomorrow uh, starting the game against the Giants. So that's where the first two games stand, and then they have their horses, Urias and Bueller, in the final two games of this series. 
Uh, when you look at the Giants, and early on we thought, well, you know, that's a great start, but there's no way. There's no way they'll be there. All of a sudden, they're there. Only and, one guy thought that. It was Nick Coletti. Well, okay. Well, he's a pretty impressive guy. Yeah, but in this case, he was wrong. I know uh, we, we all thought that they were pretenders, but they're contenders. They're going to make the playoffs, and they're not going anywhere now. They haven't been dinged up like the Dodgers. I think it's remarkable, given everything the Dodgers have been through this year, that they sit where they sit. I mean, a lesser team would have completely collapsed. Yeah, it just shows you that they've stumbled upon some guys that are having career years and are motivated to have career years. Uh, not only Kevin Gossman, but also Anthony DiSclefani and Alex Wood. They've gotten players that are free agents at the end of the year. So they've signed these pitchers knowing that they have a motivating factor outside of the team, not to mention the way Gabe Kapler has managed the team. I talked to Alex Wood the last time the Giants were in town, and he feels like Gabe Kapler really has grown as a manager, and the biggest thing he told me was that Gabe has an open-door policy as a manager where if a player wants to know why he's not pl getting played more, the depth chart is in his office on the board, and he welcomes the players to come in and see where they're at and, and then ask the question, what do I have to do to get better? So I, I think the, the leadership of Farhan and Gabe Kapler uh, has really been a big, uh, and I hate to say it, but it's been a big thing for this team. Yeah, Fred, apologize to Gabe Kapler, the way you've treated him over the years, Fred. Well, the way I treated him over the then. years. All he wanted to do was have spring training nude and tan your testicles. Yeah, I, I would say that he has learned a lot from his time in Philadelphia. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, Philadelphia will harden you up and have you reevaluate the way you're doing things for sure. So, you know, good, good for him. Hey, Dave, is it any concern that the Dodgers are struggling in, in extra innings? I mean, one in nine. Uh, doesn't bode well. Uh, I, I know you don't play a whole lot of extra inning games, but it starts to become a thing when you when you can't win them. Is that something that that they are at all concerned about? Yeah, I would say the reason why they're losing those extra inning games is what they're concerned about. And in all fairness to the Dodgers, they lost four of those games during that horrific 5-15 and 15 stretch back in April and May. It was a 20-game horrific stretch. And Dave Roberts said then, and I think if he was candid with you now, would say the same thing, that the Dodgers are going into these extra inning games unnecessarily because of their poor defense. Yeah. The Rockies scored two unearned runs yesterday on errors, so there was no reason to even go into extra innings. I know Kenley Jansen blew the save in the ninth inning, and he made a dumb pitch to Garrett Hampson. He should have just struck him out with a fastball instead of going with the slider, which led to the tying run, but the defense has been problematic all season long. Baseball, um, the Dodgers lead baseball with the most unearned runs given up, 54 this season. Yeah, and you talk about the defense. Chris Taylor dropped a ball. Uh, Will Smith should have been charged with a pass ball, but uh, Joe Kelly was charged with a wild pitch. That runner scored as mm -hmm. well. Dodgers uncharacteristically not playing great defense this year, Dave. Do we know why? I don't know why. I really don't. They have they have the same players that have played good defense in years past. Uh, I have no idea why. I, I really don't. Well, come on, Dave. you got to give me something why they're not doing it. I, I mean, uh, I don't know. I really don't. I, it's the good sometimes, players that are making mistakes this year for whatever reason. Yeah, sometimes there's not always uh, an, an answer, right? What about, uh, what about Cody Bellinger? 
Dave, you know, is there anything other than him coming off of injury and having a rough start and have not being in the lineup to his struggles? Are we going to see him break out of it? Is he in his own head? I mean, what's going on with, with Cody? Yeah, that, it's not just this year. And it, this year he hasn't gotten any rhythm to his season because of the injuries going back to the offseason, shoulder surgery. But if you go back to August of 2019, Cody Bellinger is a 235 hitter. 2019 was the year that he won the rookie of the year, or excuse me, the MVP. So he hasn't made the adjustments in the last two years to whatever pitchers are doing to him. It's not just a short-term thing. It's uh, been quite a while that he's been a 235 hitter. And I asked Dave Roberts what his diagnosis was, and he said he wants to see Cody become more of a hit collector more than trying to go for the slug because that's what he did so well uh, in the first part of 2019 and also his rookie year. So uh, that's what Dave Roberts wants to see from him, and hopefully he makes that adjustment. Maybe he would benefit by going to the hit doctor, Reggie Smith. I would, um, if, mm. I had, if I was in Cody Bellinger's ear, that's what I would tell him. Make a drive to Encino yes. and, look, and talk to Reggie Smith. I'll, I'll attest to that. Reggie Smith was the hitting doctor for our little league out here in Encino. My sons went to Reggie Smith regularly. Reggie was great with the kids, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with you, Dave, on that. The Dodgers have sent players or players on the Dodgers in years past have gone on their own to talk to Reggie and his philosophy on hitting, and he's helped guys get back on track. He's not a guy that wants to uh, take any shine away from the current hitting coaches, but sometimes it's kind of like a love language. Sometimes a hitting coach doesn't speak or is saying the same thing as somebody else, but it's not connecting, and Reggie Smith has a knack to connect with a lot of different people. All right, Petros and Money are at the stadium today. They'll be doing the show, 3 to 6. Then we'll have the pregame show. Dave, thank you for coming on. No problem, Rodney. Always great to be on with you. <laughs> right on. <laughs> Dave. Oh, yeah. My man Dave never disappoints, Fred. Well, that's a matter of opinion. <laughs> Except for you. Yeah. All right, who's ready for a little Know Your Squad? Come on! 6 The squad today is the Lakers. So if you have the Laker knowledge, this is your day. You call, first caller, Kevin will pick you up, put you on the air. Boom, you're playing Rodney and Rodney. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah! Afternoon Delight. My mom made it. My mom made it. My mom made it. Thank God that I made it. My mom made it. Made it. Look yeah. My mom made it. Look, I remember the days. Same fix for a week straight. Like it. Today. Afternoon Delight is Tell the Vision by Pop Smoke. This song appears on the late rapper's posthumous album entitled Faith, which dropped over the weekend. The album features artists like Dua Lipa, Pharrell, Future, Quavo. This particular track features good music label mates Pusha T and Kanye West. In a recent interview, Quavo said that we can expect to hear more music from the late rappers, as the two of them spent weeks recording songs before Pop Smoke's untimely passing. Again, today's afternoon delight is Tell the Vision by Pop Smoke featuring Pusha T and Kanye West. I wanted Pop Smoke so bad today. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You felt you were feeling Pop Smoke? I was. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I was hoping. Okay. Afternoon Delight. Is this the day for Pop Smoke? Oh, yeah. Put that in your pipe and smoke. I love it. What I say. Rodney. 
Tell Division. Uh, we have an Olympic update. I love that music, though. Don't you? By the way, I do. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now it signifies another athlete is tested positive. Oh, no. Yeah, we read off like four when we came on the air. You can add Zach Levine from the men's basketball team to that. Oh. Well, he's in COVID protocol. He's not going with the team. Oh. They left today. He's not going. I don't know if he gets out of protocol and goes or he's just done. So we've lost somebody from the three-on-three basketball team. I think she's from Huntington Beach. We lost Zach Levine on the men's team now. Uh, we lost the two gymnasts, and we lost Coco Golf. And that is our Olympic update. Wow. Rogan and Rodney Roulette. Know your squad. Hey, the Dodgers return to Dodger Stadium tonight. They'll play the Giants first pitch at 7. Catch all the action right here on AM570 LA Sports in HD on the free iHeartRadio app. And when you're cooking on the grill, add flavor to every meal with over 20 varieties of Chef Marito seasoning, the official seasoning partner of the Petros and Money Show. David and Duarte, are you there? Or Daniel, I'm sorry. I'm here. Here I am, Fred. How you, How doing? you doing? Good. Hey, it's Daniel, right? Daniel. I'm doing good, sir. It's right. Daniel. Yeah, Daniel. Daniel. Hey, yeah, Fred. Is this Daniel. Ronnie on here? What's going on, Rodney? Damn right I'm on here, Daniel. Let's go, baby. You good? Hey, let's go. I've been waiting for you, man. I've been waiting for you. I called in twice, and I tied, and uh, they were filling, but uh, I've been waiting for you. Right on. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Ready to, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to go. All right. that much. He wants the real deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't they all, Fred? Don't they all, baby? <laughs> Ronnie, you ready? Daniel, Afternoon, Rogan and Rodney and Daniel, who can barely contain his excitement. Yeah, Daniel, let's go, man. I love the spirit, Daniel. Love hey, it. let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, here's the deal, Daniel. It's know your squad, know your Lakers. You've got to let me give you all five choices before you answer. If you answer before all five choices are given, you're locked out. Okay. Got you, Fred. Got you. Here we go. LeBron James led the Lakers with an average of eight assists per game in their playoff series against the Suns this year, who was second with an average of three assists per contest. Dennis Schroeder, Marc Gasol, Kyle Kuzma, Alex Caruso, or Alex Jones? Alex Caruso. Marc Gasol. Marc Gasol is the correct answer. Rodney. Ah. Hi, Rodney. Came yeah, to play, huh? Yeah, yeah, I came to play. <laughs> came to play. Right, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to play, you might as well play hard there, Daniel. Let's go, baby. Definitely. Hey, hey there you go. There you go. <laughs> you <got me. laughs> All right. Which of these former pro basketball players was not an assistant? Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Which, which of these pro basketball players? Which of these former pro basketball players? Oh, okay. Just not former basketball players. Because since we're doing the Lakers... Wouldn't that by default been the pro, Fred? Uh, yeah, but you'll understand after I give okay. you the choice. So we're, do, we're doing former Laker, I'm saying. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Not, yeah, Fred read it wrong. Again. No, I read it right. Okay, Fred. Which of these former pro basketball players was okay. not an assistant coach for the Lakers this past season? Mike Penberthy, Miles Simon, Phil Handy, Jed Bushler, or Judd Apatow? Jed, Jed Bushler. Bushler. Rodney. Are you sure about that? <laughs> oh, I think we got to go to the table on that one, Rod. I looked at Kevin, and Kevin just shook his head. It's close. 
So we're going to go to the tape. Daniel, were you on that too? No, I was not. I was not. Because I was just going to give it to you. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was taking I was picking it. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Dan, you don't want no charity. <laughs> Definitely not, but hey, a win's a win. There you go, Dan. Against you, a win's a win. All right, Kevin, we're I ready. Got you. Here we go. Jed Bushler or Judd Apatow? Jed Bushler. Jed Bushler. Yes, I'm a Judd Apatow. Jed Bushler. Jed Bushler. Jed Bushler. Jed Bushler. Ooh, that's kind of tight. Jed Bushler. That's tough. Got to call the tie. No point awarded. No uh, point to the tie. Nobody I couldn't even. It. I couldn't even distinguish that one. Yeah. I don't know about you, Ronnie. How do you feel about that, Ronnie? That was a dead tie right there. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Okay, no points. All right. Of the players who attempted at least twenty-three pointers, which of these players had the highest three-point field goal percentage during their playoff run in the bubble last season at forty-two percent? Okay. The well, highest. Yeah. Rajon Rondo, Markeith Morris, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, or Danny Trejo? Anthony Rajon Davis. Rondo! Danny Green. Danny Green. Rajon Rondo. How about new? Uh, Markeith Morris. Boom. Rodney. Anthony Davis. All right. First of all, Daniel, Anthony Davis was not a choice. Yeah, he was, Fred. He was a choice. Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was. Sorry. Wow, Fred. Really? Ouch. Ouch. Well, Ouch. You, know, you know what? After you said Markeith Morris, I stopped listening. Long weekend, huh, Fred? I just forgot about it. All right. Fred, how hard is it? All right, Dan, should I just give Daniel a point? For what? He didn't get it. I know that, but he said Anthony Davis, and, and I didn't realize it was on the list. But he didn't, that wasn't the answer. It, 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 was, it, was, a, it, was, it was an answer, though. And I said, um, I said Anthony Davis answer. first, I do believe. You did? Yes. Yeah. I, I really so. didn't hear you. Yeah. I didn't even know. But it wasn't the correct answer. I'm going to go buy you a candle for regardless. your Regardless. All right, fine. Rodney, you get the point. Stop complaining. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What? Yeah. Rodney, it's your point. Wait a minute. Ronnie, I got the right answer, Phoebe, correct? Rodney, you're taking the Phoebe, Rodney? Is that what I hear? Wait, wait, wait. I, did I get the right answer? Yes. Fred, let me, get, let me get this straight. Yeah. Let me get this straight. Okay. I got the right answer. You got Marquee the correct answer. It was correct. Correct. Yes. Right. And we're debating over Anthony Davis, which was not the correct answer. Yes. Whether I should get the point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Are we we'll serious right now? We'll give it to him. All right, fine. Rodney, you got it right. You get the point. There it is. Oh, That's boy, what you oh, get for boy. trying to stare me down last night. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's what you get. This is what it's come to. Right. You this tried, is what it's come to. You tried to stare me down. <sighs> so I'm convoluting the game. What else is new? All right. That's not necessary. Here is the next question. Who holds the record for most steals per game while wearing a Laker uniform at 2.1 steals per game? Eddie Jones, Norm Nixon, Magic Johnson, Smush Parker, or Peter Parker? Norm Nixon. Norm Nixon. Magic Johnson. How about new? Michael Cooper. Smush Parker. No good. Nelson Jones. Eddie Jones. Magic. Eddie Magic. Jones. Rodney. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Fred. Call it a rap already. Let's call it. Ah. Call it. Call it a rap. I could actually call it a rap. Yeah, yeah you sweep. can. Yeah, Clean you can. sweep. Well, hey, no. Man. There's two more questions. You can get on the board, Daniel. Because Ronnie's not. I'll get one. All right. I'll get one. Here we He'll go. go in the fourth quarter. All right. Here we go. go. Which of these coaches holds the record for most playoff losses with 63? Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, Del Harris, Fred Shaws, or Fred Savage? Del Harris. Del Harris. Pat Riley. We don't have Phil enough Jackson. time. How about no? Pat Riley. Phil, who said Phil Jackson? I did. Ronnie. 
Okay. Is there just more more playoff series? Is that why Phil Jackson has it? Yes. He has most wins and most losses. Right. That's what I thought. All right, here's the final question. Kobe Bryant holds a franchise record for highest scoring average in a single season with 35.4. Who was second on that list with an average of 34.8 per game? Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Elgin Baylor, Jerry West, or Adam West? Jerry West. Kareem! Will Chamberlain. How about new? Will Chamberlain. No good! Adam West. And it is no good. (laughs) Burt Ward. How about new? (laughs) Batman! Frank Gorshin. No good. Adam West. <laughs> and it is no good. Only huh? one left. Adam Morrison. I forgot. I forgot no, the choices. Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison is <laughs> not on the list. No. no good. Glenn Rice. How about new? E. B. Kareem. Abdul Jabbar. Magic Johnson. How about new? E. B. Elton Brand. Elton Brand. Did you say Elton Brand? Yikes. (laughs) All right. Well, that'll do it. Rodney, congratulations. Well done. Never lost. Good win for you today. Yeah, yeah, you know, Fred. Oh, hum. Oh, hum. Good game, game, Rodney. Good game, Rodney. Daniel, I like the attitude. I like the attitude. Sometimes you got to bring more than attitude, though, Daniel. Definitely. I'll be back on soon. Hey, Daniel, you wanted it. And you, by sure, by golly, got it today. <laughs> yes, sir, I did. <laughs> Daniel, you have a good week. Thank you, guys. You do the same. Thanks for listening. <laughs>